Hi, I'm Ben Siegel from Ben's Bites on Instagram in uh, Facebook. You're listening to the Work For It podcast. Hey, hey, guys. We are back with the Work For It podcast, and we are doing an interview with the one and only Ben Siegel. I am super excited to get this interview started, and yeah, let's let's just go ahead and jump right into it. Ben, how are you doing this week? Doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. It's been it's been a long week over here on my end, but you know we're gonna try to keep this on you because I want to basically show you off to our people because I know that you have quite a few followers on Instagram and everyone loves your handles. Isn't it just your handles? Your your wa style handles are just so incredibly beautiful. How did you get into making just the handles? So. I don't know, maybe, maybe like most of us, I'm a DIY guy. I will always think about how can I make something myself, whether it's food, whether it's, you know, around the house. And so over, I'm 45, and I've been doing this about six years now. But over my lifespan, you know, I was always tinkering my father's basement, building something. Luckily, I never cut anything fingers off in the table saw or anything. But, um, you know, I could do light carpentry, light plumbing, light, you know, it's just a thought process of how are things made and and so fast forward to my late 30s and you know I really enjoyed this home cook I enjoyed cooking I kind of, I would I needed something different and I said let's see what these Japanese knives are about and so I bought my first couple knives from um, a retailer I don't know if I can mention the names on here but uh, I bought the first couple of Japanese knives and if anyone wants more details they can reach out to me directly but I remember getting a cheap $50 carbon steel wah-handled Nakiri. Right. And it was a you know, very lightweight handle, heavier blade, thin as, you know, razor thin. And cutting with it was just such a different experience over mm. even the shuns that I had before. Um, and it just was like, it was just, oh, this is what this is like. And there's always this trade-off as kitchen knives with how thin you want to go versus food release later. You, so, you felt that first handle and you got that spark of, oh my God, this thing is great. And you got, I'm sure you got obsessed like with it. Like all of us make Oh, the forums. The other thing I will say I've learned, and I went deep down the barbecue rabbit hole. Mm. Um, I did some social media influencing for Kamado Joe's branding after I bought some of their stuff. Um, and so I learned that forums are also a great place to find people that, that have some extra time in their hands and tend to want to share their thoughts. And if you can find the right places, you can harness a lot of information that way. So yeah, I and those things are just so incredible to make the connections because, you know, as you're getting into a hobby, you want to talk to those old timers that have been working with this style of stuff for years and years and years. So it's really smart on you to be able to realize like, hey, there's a big, you know, giant group of people who do this and love every moment of it. Let's let's introduce myself into that and learn a few things. Right. Well, I, I started. That. I started even earlier. I started just as a user. You know, oh. you know, here I was. Here, this is this is not me buying these to make handles. This is buying this to just improve, to experience something different in my kitchen. Right. I talk about. I read a lot of things about. It's much more valuable and much more rich life if you focus on experiences rather than collecting things. And so go. the experience of cooking with a Japanese knife versus a you know western style or german style or french style blade it's a little different it's not it's nuanced it's not for everybody 
you know, I was having fun. I was cooking. And then I was reading these forums. And I, I was watching these people spend obscene amounts of money on custom handles for their knives. All right. And I kind of went, well, I'm kind of bored. I need a new technical challenge. I'd also just left the R&D industry. So I, I spent 20 years as an R&D scientist. I have this very strong technical making itch. And you know how you don't give a dog enough exercise, it kind of starts chewing on things? <laughs> well, it's not dissimilar with me. Um, so I need to make things. I have a strong need to make things. Nice. Um, so I, so I bought my, I bought a couple knives. I played on the forums for a little while. I was, you know, it, it, it was fun. It wouldn't, I wouldn't say it changed my cooking, but it was just more fun. It was fun. It was different. It was an experience. But I, I said, I said to my wife, I'm like, you know what? It's not much money to buy some wood from, you know, buy some, and I started with cheap woods. I started with, you know, cheap woods and I played with contrasting layouts. And if you look at some of my really early Instagram stuff, uh, when I started doing my own kitchen knife work, you can see that it's it's like a mix of some ebony's and some maples and walnuts and you know maybe something slightly curly. You know, the styles developed as clients to give me feedback to what they like. I feel uh -huh. like that is a natural progression for a lot of makers because you know it starts off you're just getting into it you you're you're taking your hard knocks of you make you spend hours and hours and hours on something. And when you're done, your skill set is low enough where it still looks like shit. <laughs> so you don't you make the first one, you're like, ooh, I don't need to spend a whole lot of money for now because you know it's it's probably not gonna be the best. But now you've gotten so good that you're you're able to spend quite a bit of money on high-end materials, and your stuff now is just absolutely gorgeous. I, I know I said it at the top of the interview, but like I'm going through your Instagram right now and just it's awe-inspiring, honestly. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so let's get back to the story because I want to finish the progression sure, sure, before sorry. we... No, no, no. Trust me. I'm happy to chat as long as it helps. Yeah. Um, so I said, so I started, I made my first couple handles and they were, they were atrocious. I mean, yeah. I, I've refined the process a lot and, and you know, people, people ask me questions. I'm happy to share anything. Um, I, I wasn't necessarily in the beginning and now I've realized that, that my process is not necessarily the value, most valuable piece. Um, but, you know, so I posted, I posted, so I was, po I, I was posting some initial handles and they were really, they were not as wonky. There were no jigs involved. I was trying to freehand everything on, you know, really poor four by 36 belt sanders from, that were $50 on Craigslist. Gotcha. And um, somebody in the barbecue forum, oh no, I said, I said to somebody, I, I said, I posted on my barbecue forum that I follow, that I'm, uh, KamadoGuru.com is the forum. I'm now one of the moderators there. I'm friends with the admin. I now do more on the Facebook side of that group than the forum side, but that's a, that's a we'll digress into barbecue later if we choose to come back. Um, hey man, this that's what this entire interview is about. We can digress into whatever you want. We can chase well, every rabbit if you want to. <laughs> let, let's 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 stick with the let's do the focus on on All making right. things, making All the right. the the kit the the knife based things, and sure. we can digress as we as we see. One of the one of the one of the other moderators said to me, um, "Oh, I had said I'm going to convert this Western style, this Western handle, relatively cheap knife I picked up for like sixty bucks on closeout, um, to a Wa style, style knife. And does anyone want to follow along?" And I was stunned that you know it was a rather popular in it was a popular thread and lots of engagement. Now it's nice. just having fun. 
at the end of that, somebody, somebody on the forums reached out and said, I'm going to send you, you know, two, um, Ingnabas sushi knives. Re oh, did I, did I lose you there? No, you're good. My, I'm my here. computer went to sleep. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I it's caught right, it in time. It's all right. No I'll, worries. I'll make sure I keep that up going. Um, he said, he said, I'm going to send you two and you're going to rehandle them and keep one for you and send one back to me. It grew, that project grew quickly. Yeah. Um, as you can imagine. And I started posting things online. I started posting, you know, like I, I kind of hit the first handle that really felt right. And I posted it to um, a retailer's forum. And I, I, I'm not trying to hide the retailer. I just don't know what I can say out loud here or, or who I can name names. But the retailer said, I'll buy those from you. I said, is there any market for these on retail? He said, I'll buy them. And he was my first real big customer. I mean, that nice. was a profit for the year, wholesale order. It started with like 15 handles and went to like 30. And then we did a couple more orders. And then he, I got a little expensive for him. Um, and then his core following liked louder, brighter handles than I tend to do. Okay. No problem. You know, but I got a lot of forum members that would, were then interested in me. So that grew a word of mouth and these things cycle. I see this, you know, you get into one group and you get a little bit of positive praise and other people from that group come following. And then, sure. you, but you've got to diversify a little bit. So there's one or two forums that I'm on. There's some Facebook groups that I'm on that, that, um, you know, for instance, somebody, somebody reached out to me and it's not even somebody who's bought anything from me, but somebody who I talked to I, I, another, it's an end user. We follow some of the same knife makers. He's a buyer. I'm more of a, I'm a maker. But we have some common overlapping hobbies. And he's like, I open the internet up and I see your stuff everywhere. Nice. And then five minutes later, he sends me a screenshot of some of my handles that one happy client posted on a Japanese knife Facebook group. It's like, see, they're right there. I opened this up. Um, and that's how it's kind of evolved. Now, for me, this is a part-time this is a part time gig. This is something that I do. Um, I, I really do it because it satisfies that inner, that inner, that inner craving in myself. Um, right. For but, sure. you know, I have to, I have to prioritize home with the kids and get there. They, anything they need has to come up first. And then sure. I help my wife's business. I do it finance and whatever other chief dishwashing roles she needs done here. <laughs> so, I mean, since that pays yeah. the house bills, like I can't, that, that's gotta take a top priority. So if I get, if I get an hour a day in the workshop, that's actually really good for me. There you go. Uh, and your workshop is down in your basement. How is that for, I mean, first of all, the commute is literally zero. It's walking down the right. steps. So that's got to be really nice where you can carve out like, hey, I've got 10 minutes. I can run down and do this. Exactly. And that's actually key. Honestly, if I can spend 20 minutes after dinner, that's more relaxing to me than having a drink with dinner. There you go. And I can't and drink because I'm playing with power tools. Sure. And, and healthier, yes. Yes, absolutely. But it's just so much more satisfying than so many things. Um, it also, I imagine, keeps that, you know, that burning desire to be working on things alive because, you know, you're not down there eight hours a day, 10 hours a day, however, like super long days, because I feel like that is the the burnout method where you you jump into it, you start off as a hobbyist and you're you're enjoying it a lot and you're spending a lot of time because that that fire is burning inside of you to make a certain thing. But then as you switch it over to your main time, you know, your, your full-time gig, um, you know, you're doing it every single day for long, long days and you, you, that fire starts to go away. Where in your situation, you're, you're spending most of your days doing 
doing your your everyday stuff, but then you get to, you know, escape down into the basement to do your making for an hour or two a day, which I mean, that that has to keep it nice and fresh in your life. Exactly. Exactly. I also find that when I hit a, some kind of stressful situation, whether it's a, let's say a parenting situation or you know, households, you know, we're doing an addition, a big addition to the house right now. And you know, that's, that's, that's heads ups and downs or even sitting in traffic. It's a great distraction. Think about what's going on in the workshop. Wow. So the, that's just, it's just, it just is very, it's completely de-stressing instead of the situation you're describing where you're burnt out and stressed about having to <laughs> go in and do something. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, not, I guess, not everyone is going to burn out on the long days. You know, I'm, I'm about a year in doing, doing my full-time gig or actually just a little bit over a year in, and I still have that passion. You know, I'm still getting up every day. And I know Brian house is the same way where every single day he's waking up, you know, ready to go. I mean, just like a a rocket ready to go into the shop and get going. So like not everyone is going to get that burnout, but you know, it is a recipe to allow that to happen if if you're the type of person to burn out. So, I mean, right. good for you finding that perfect balance to, you know, be able to do what you need to do with the family and whatever else you do and also have that, you know, you know, kind of like your little man cave down in the basement to really get a good workshop work in. That's awesome. I love that. I, I'm, I'm lucky. You know, our basement, we, so we, we have an 1874 uh, colonial and so it's 130 something years old. The basement is field stone foundations stacked on top of each other. Portion of the floor is dirt sometimes. Um, an Instagram live a couple of years ago, someone called it the handle dungeon. And so <laughs> the, the benefit, the other benefit to this is that no one else wants to go down there. You know, it's in this area, Square footage is so valuable. People finish basements to make them playrooms because it's useful space. Mm. Um, no one, there's no, there's also, the ceiling's also a little low. So, so I hit my head for, it's about six feet tall. I'll hit my head on some of the furnace pipes. Gotcha. So, but I don't have any competition for the space. And my there kids are just starting to get into, just starting to enjoy making things here and there. Not necessarily in my workshop, but they're definitely crafty and they're, um, so there's some, I may get some competition soon, but it may not be uh, a competition for space to convert it to something else, which would be great. Yeah, that's that's something, you know, obviously I don't have kids yet. That's something I look forward to someday being able to like, hey, you know, come on out to the shop and watch their curiosity grow into, you know, they first start off like when I, when I was super little, I would go over to my grandparents and like they had, they had a barn with woodworking stuff in it, and we we'd make quote unquote um, birdhouses, and it was just a cup like a board with a couple angled pieces of board to get like a house shape, and like <laughs> you you start off on stuff like that, and you you get an interest of starting off with scrap pieces of material and building something that you think is cool, and being able to like nurture that into your kids to be like, hey, you can oh, you want this thing? Let's go ahead and tr- make it together. And, you know, everything, Not the one thing that I learned really early on from my grandparents is, you know, especially when you're little, when if it's handmade, it's never going to be perfect. And, and being able to kind of instill that idea of making it yourself and improving every time you make something. I mean, that's that's just got to be super fulfilling as a, as a father. Yeah, I, I have to say, I, I have to remind, remind myself that, 
one, it's a journey. And yes. the, 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 pro, the experience of making things is more important than the end result. And there you the, go. And at the end of the process, if as long as people don't get frustrated, like my daughter has my same high, high self, high standards. And so okay. she'll get frustrated when the first thing doesn't look good. And I have to explain to her that, look, you know, here's the first handle I made. It looks not, and here's the one I just made. You know, for how many it took to go in from point A to point Z? More right. than 26. Um, and so, you know, teaching, teaching her to break things down and not to ju- not to, you know, take baby steps before she runs, you know, so that that's been an experience. Um, and my son is, is different sort of crafty. He's still at the, he's six. So he's still at the okay. paper, glue, markers, paints, <laughs> but he's very, he, he is a natural talent that is very impressive. That's awesome. Um, that's so cool to hear. Switching really gears a little bit. You always take really nice photography of your finished pieces. Is that, I mean, you have some sort of a backdrop situation going on there. Do you want to explain how it is that you, you came up with the idea and I guess, how is it done? It just looks like something out of a commercial. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. I work, it, it, you said you popped your Instagram feed. You oh, I'm on it right back. now. You go way back. You'll see they don't look quite as good. <laughs> um, so my, my wife my wife's business, she's a graphic, she's got a graphic design studio. We're up to like eight employees, some of which are half time, but one of our previous employees who I just finished making a knife for, and we'll show up on Instagram soon. Um, he's, he's also a photographer. And so he was giving me some tips, tips and tricks. And my wife was a photo- photography major in college. Uh, so tip number one was declutter your background. You know, you want to focus, you want to see a blade, focus on the blade. Or focus on the knife or whatever you're focusing on. Don't distract from it. Mm. Um, two, lighting is everything. Which, you know, it, it says it, but until you play around with it, it's kind of hard to, it's, it's hard to understand it. Um, I've tried everything from like laying something on my kitchen table and having several lights around it uh, and, you know, trying these DIY soft boxes. You, you look through my feed and you'll see an evolution of photography. And gotcha. I'm very happy with where it is right now. And right now, it's, uh, it's a 24-inch LED light box. When I bought it a couple of years ago, it was $80 on Amazon. Nice. It came with uh, almost everything you need. It came with the, the, uh, some plastic sheets of different colors. And then uh, that, worked, that, that was definitely an improvement. But I think the real, uh, the real stunning... Uh, the real, the real stunning high point came when I found the black, the black acrylic sheets that mm. give me that reflection. And those are black acrylic sheets. Those, those, I didn't so those, realize it so looks those, like a glass table or something. Exactly. And now the problem is it's soft and scratches Ooh. and it gets dusty quickly. Uh, but it's about twenty dollars on Amazon. So it's, I think I paid about eighty dollars for my light box on Amazon. But they're old enough that that that's that's probably gone up by now. And then about twenty or thirty dollars for the acrylic sheet, and you got to keep that thing clean. I was um, gonna say you're you're gonna have to like put that you're gonna have to bubble wrap that, put a blanket around it, and like hide it from people because that, I imagine that thing would get scratched in the average show. Well, it just sits in the it just sits in the light box. Right oh, now. and so okay. I pull it, I wipe it off some Windex before I use it. The I will say that the um, the credit to 
the credit for the black acrylic idea came from uh, my buddy Ethan Taylor, Ethan the Hat, also a yes. podcast supporter. Great and, guy. And um, I watched him use it, and I watched uh, he, he works for Elbow Chocolates, which are really amazing chocolates. If you get a chance to try them, they're not cheap. Not gonna lie, that they're is worth every penny. One of the things that is on my my list of things to buy, Emily, is is chocolates from Ethan the Hat. Yes, it's it's worth. It, feel free to i would encourage you to try the bonbons okay and i would encourage right. you to try some exotic flavors because we just described them as flavor wizards here we went out locally to a bakery that um our friends were raving about we got the food and it was definitely more flashy than it was substance and i had i sent ethan a text with a picture of some bonbons they had and said oh you have competition well i got <laughs> we got them home and we're like we tried them no, you like, they're they're now they're, they're, no. <laughs> I'm sure um, he enjoyed that. <laughs> I'm sure he did too. There was there were some text messages with some emojis attached to them. Let's just say. <laughs> they were DMs, um, mel- melted DMs. M- melted uh, bonbon emojis, right? Not you know <laughs> <laughs> some, some face expressions. Let's just say. Oh, okay. All right. All but right. Um, I will say that Christopher Elbow's photography, had, they have they I guess they have the acrylic sheets out and they use it for the bonbons and so he used it for his knives one day. And I was like, what, what, what is this? How do you do this? And so he explained it to me. <clears throat> and so I got the acrylic, the, adding that acrylic sheet. And they use that mirror image. And honestly, I find some things show better in the mirror image than they do in the original image mm. in the photography. Wow. So, for example, some of my hormones look better in the reflection than they do on the blade in the same photo. Interesting. Interesting. Um, that also means that, for example, sometimes my, sometimes my lay a knife, when I lay some of my full blades in there, have my maker's mark upside down, it reflects right side up in the in the reflection. Oh, so it doesn't dope. feel like it it feels like the brand identity is there. Um so Yeah, that it, is yeah. so cool. That is yeah, so and cool. if anybody wants the wants a link to something similar, I'm happy to send them a link to you know yeah, reject me by DM. At the end of this podcast, go ahead and send me those links. I would love to check that out. Yeah, and you can put them in the show notes if you want. Um, yeah, sure, sure. Make sure you get Brian's affiliate codes, though, so he gets a kickback. <laughs> Unless you have there your you own. Go. There you go. Um, no, I, I, that's one of the things that I've been wanting to get into is getting setting up affiliate links for a lot of my YouTube videos. Because, like, you know, I put links down there anyways. I might as well set that up, but I just don't know how to do it. Do you follow uh, Chris Zepp at Make Everything? I do. Because I think he has a whole – I think he get, my understanding is that part of his strategy – is that he reviews these things on Amazon that are that are good values and puts right. the affiliate link in, and he gets a good bit. I, I understand he gets a good bit of affiliate money from that. Um, yeah, I feel like my two thousand, just a little, just a little under three thousand subscribers. You know, I'm I'm probably not going to pull a whole lot of brands that way. <laughs> it, well, it, but you know, you get if you get half a percentage of everyone's Amazon purchase, and the way it works is somebody clicks that. I, I think the way it works, and I think Brian house can uh, give you a better description because I know he I learned from him but I think basically someone clicks that link to look at the product I think for 24 hours anything they put in their shopping cart counts towards your affiliate percentage well shoot that's really cool and we're and actually I, you somebody know, can correct me because I might be wrong here I fully admit this but um, sure I think it's something along those lines and so wait Brian's a second t- so if you go ahead and use your own affiliate link and do all of your grocery shopping online, 
then you're <laughs> essentially paying yourself a small, you know, half a penny or something. It's a very small percentage. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But well, there's, cool. I actually, so for grocery shopping, uh, for what it's worth, I use an American Express card, the blue cash preferred. It's 6% back at a grocery store. Nice. Even with an annual fee. Like, yeah. that's crazy. That is crazy for sure. So, well, getting back to your handles, one of yes. the things that, again, there's a lot of bucket list items for me, and one of them is one of the wash style handles from you. And I can't quite choose between, you know, the the segmented handles where it's all your scraps glued together. I've right. I haven't seen a whole lot of people out there doing something like that. Saw that first from you, and I love that idea. Another reason to just always, you know, keep a hold of your scraps. Or on the other side. That batch of handles that you did where the the ends, like you're you're doing wood and epoxy and it went from wood to epoxy to wood and the end of the wood fell off and right. it gave you this really cool live edge on the epoxy. I right. love that look as well. So let's go ahead and talk about what what got you into like what was the aha moment to, you know, go ahead and start off with the segmented handles. Uh, so I looked at two of the things that have always been somewhat inspiring. One is stacked leather handles. Yes. Um, and then a a what's slightly different than that would be the Florentine kitchen knives. These are the colored stacked segments, but they're very prescribed. They're very yes. um, geometric and you know regulated. And while it's inspiring, and I, I like the way it looks, I had these you know, multicolored scraps lying around, and I said, "Well, what's this gonna? What's, what will this look like? I, I don't know. Every now and then." You just got to try something. I mean, what do I lose? I lose an hour of time. It's epoxy. That's a that's a that's right. a short price to pay just to explore an idea. The other the other one I like that was very inspiring is the recycled skateboard handles or recycled skateboard. Mm, yeah. People take recycled skateboards and they make projects from them. You know, layer them, laminate them, and then bowl turning or pen turning or lots of other projects. Um, so when I combine all those ideas along with you know, the scraps that were sitting in front, these thin pieces that were sitting in front of me. I said, I have to try this. And honestly, what I like best about them is the organic flow, the, the different sizes that you end up. So some pieces are you know, half a millimeter thick. Some pieces are paper thin. Some pieces are two or three millimeters thick. And that, I, I call it more of an organic nature. I like it. It works. The other thing that I think is really cool is that if, if you do this on a regular basis, if you just save up enough to make a handle, it becomes kind of like a little snapshot of like the last two or three months of your handles or however long it took to collect those. And you can kind of see if you go back in your Instagram, I'm sure you could kind of pick out, oh, wow, that little piece right there came from that knife and that little piece right. came from that handle. And I mean, I feel like that is a really cool, I mean, it's almost like a historical piece of this, a snapshot in Ben's Bites, you know? I definitely was, would, would look at these handles and say, okay, I remember that. I remember, you know, maybe 20 or 30% of the wood, I remember exactly where it came from. Maybe 50% of the wood, which handle and how it looked. So the, 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 the future of those is going to be interesting for a couple reasons. One is, I think I made five blocks of those stacked, stacked woods from five years of scraps. Okay. I don't have a lot of other scraps that are the right size. The other factor is that when I started out making handles, I would buy turning blanks from, you know, less figure turning blanks than we currently mm -hmm. get in the market than I currently use now. And 
they would come in like inch and half by inch and half. So I glue up these big handles and when I cut them down on my table saw with my jigs to get my tapers properly, I end up with the scraps that you saw. Well, now that I'm using, now that I've gotten refined my process, I don't need to buy wood as big. It saves me money, it saves my clients money. Hence, but I have less, less scraps. scraps. Oh. Exactly. So these things so, might just be a one-off is what you're saying. There, there, I have some more, I have, so I have, they, they might be different next time, let's just say. Okay. You know, All they right. might be very different because it's based on what I have on hand. Right. What I have on hands. I either have some pieces that are much bigger that I have to cut down, or I have pieces that are really thin and that I almost, I, I mean, that I still want to use, but it's just going <laughs> to look a little different. Yeah. The, um, uh, the thousands of layers of paper thin, you know, it, it might look cool or it might just be a pain in the butt. <laughs> exactly. But you know what? I'm not yeah. going to let it try. And I've, in the last five years, I've become a big fan of stop overthinking and just try it. Yeah, I love uh, that. I feel like most of the coolest projects that come out of our shops, or really any maker's shops, are those ones that it, just for a split second you think, oh, shoot, now this thing is scrap because it didn't work out. And then you you think about it and like, oh, well, I could do this or that or something out of the box. And it gives you that little mindset of let's do something out of the box and do something crazy with it. And those are the ones that I always find look the coolest when you're done. Definitely. Definitely. So I learned a long time ago and the story, I looked past the story on, hopefully it helps somebody else that helped me. Speaking I, of something, a project that almost was scrap. What happened, like, talk about what happened with that topographical epoxy situation. Okay, so this was a, this was a, so I, I, I so one thing I've learned, talk about listening to your clients. Buckeye Burl, figured Buckeye, figured stabilized Buckeye Burl in blue swirly resin. It by far and away is my most popular. Yep, <laughs> absolutely. Interior. Every single um, time you post a knife with Buckeye Burl and blue swirl, that thing, if it's not already sold, it sells like hotcakes. It does. Um, and so I've had, I've had some wholesalers reach out and want those exclusively. So fast forward, I had to, and now um, our mutual friend George, Dahlia Designs, was my go-to supplier for uh, years. I was going to bring that up a little bit later because it's really cool that we, we have a connection like that. Let's go ahead. Sorry, I'm interrupting. No, so he... Um, so he had a shop fire and shut down his woodworking side gig. We're still we're still staying in touch every now and then, but less than not like the you know couple times a week that we used to talk. talk. What's so really find, cool about this connection is is you just how did you find George? What kitchen knife forms users okay, on kitchen cool. knife forum. He, he was a fellow user on kitchen knife forum. He went down the you know I'm a stabilized wood cast resin and sell it as a side gig. And I went down the other make handles as we sell it. Well, George just so happens to live about, well, actually right in between where my apartment is and where my shop is in Midland. And yes. I was I was lucky enough. I, I think, I don't remember if I, I saw him on a forum and, and happened to ask you or if you, if I asked you about him and then you told me, you know, hey, he lives in Midland. He should be pretty close to you. But George is a, a great guy. Really, I, I was able to go over to his house and like hand pick out a bunch of burl wood and some some stabilized and dyed stuff that he's done. And some of some of my prettiest knives are super pretty because of his wood. And it was an absolute shame that he had a, a shop fire that took out all of his shop and then like a third of his house. Yeah, 
So I think his... they moved back in. They, oh, have they? The house has been rebuilt. They've moved back in. But I talk to them a little less these days than I used to. Um, yeah. So you bring up an interesting point, and I'd like to help. I'd like, hopefully, this is advice I give other makers, and hopefully, buy the nicest handle material you can. Yes. You spend an extra $10 on handle material, the knife's going to look like it's worth an extra $50. Or more. Or more, right. Um, you know, people want, I hate to say it, but, you know, sex sells. Whether it's skin, whether it's <laughs> knife handle, whether it's figured wood, whether it's, you know, Fordite or funky castings or, I mean, it's all, I've got, my Instagram feed is full of, of people making handle material that I might want to buy. So, you know, you talked about, you know, his, his, his wood was, his, his wood was high quality and an excellent price. Yes. That um, was the, that was the thing that I was really impressed with because, you know, I was able to look at them and he's selling yeah. relatively large blocks for like, you know, 20, 30 bucks a pop. And I was like, dude, right. how are you making money after putting this much time and effort into <laughs> it? Right. And I he would, I would send him things to stabilize. I still found, so Back to, so the evolution, so George left, I had to find some new people to basically custom cast me this Buckeye Burl that I liked, or that my clients liked. And so I've tried a couple people. One of them, um, one of them, uh, sorry, I got a phone call coming in that I'm gonna ignore for a few minutes. Um, <laughs> You're okay, don't worry about it. One, one of them sent me this block, I paid him for it. I sat on my shelf for a little while. And I went to go use it for this for this order of handle material, and I'm slicing it into its handles, and I noticed that one the resin wood interface isn't smooth, mm. the wood is swollen, and I was a little confused by that because I've never seen that before. Sure. Um, then number two, so I said, okay, well this is gonna be interesting. Let's see what happens. I cut it into handle size pieces. And the, the, I think I, I, mean, I think I even sent you the photo on my table saw of the four pieces all lined up with that wood separated on the edge, mm -hmm. on the end. Um, and I kind of went, uh, so I, I sent this to the client at the, the time, and I kind of went, oh, crap. Um, guys, we got to pause. Like, I can't, I'm not going to try to sell you this. Like, this is clearly, I don't know, I'm not going to try to glue this back together and like sell you something that's not okay. And so one of them said to me, what if you use it, use it like that? I think that looked really cool. Mm -hmm. I kind of went, oh my God, you're right. So it, since then, you know, those all, I think those all sold. They've ordered about 15 more. There you I go. Reached, I have one, one of the people I know that bought from him, bought at least two of them from them and has been my client as well directly, has reached out for more of those who so have a matching set of handles. Okay. So has, uh, one, make, one Japanese maker, a matching set of knife handles with that blue resin um, and that style of live, I call it live edge, resin live edge. So, so I found, I've reached out to somebody who was custom casting me. He took a silicone mold and he custom uh, cast the live edge in silicone. He's stabilizing Buckeye to go in this mold and we're gonna have a Buckeye blue resin custom cast set of that, blocks. That is so incredibly intelligent. I was gonna say, how on earth are you going to replicate that really spontaneity, spont spontaneous break there, like because obviously you're you're not going to be able to do that reliably. So if he's doing a casted live edge, you know, basically a a mold, you know, basically all you would have to do is just use different sections of that mold to kind of get a, you know, 
so you don't have a repeating edge or a repeating end because that would look a little bit, you know, right. Vague, so he, I guess. right. So he, so, so we, we cast like a five by five. We'll, we'll cast out a, a five inch long section of live edge. Okay. And so, you know, you ever, have you ever seen how people do these silicone oh, casting yeah. molds? Yeah. So you can, absolutely. you can 3d print something or you can take something like this live edge and you can, the two part silicone mixes like two part epoxy. And it cures up and you peel it right off. And then you can then cast your resin into, you know, put wood on one piece, resin one side, resin in the middle, and the silicone, it, you know, piece on the other side of the mold. And then you cast this with a blue swirly resin and we'll have as much as we need. So you can essentially get an, a, a short section of board set up basically that way. And then you you cut off your scales off of that or your, your wasp exactly. handles. And all of them are going to have a different live edge, but it's repeatable enough where you can do that as as many times as you want. And as long as you don't use the same section of the same, you know, piece on a separate, you know, on like, let's say if this is enough handles to do five knives and you end up getting an order for 12, you know, you're going to have to do it multiple different ways so that you don't get that same pattern in it. So it doesn't look, you know, mass produced or something. Even, even if we do, even, you know, even on a, even on like a five inch block, let's say I get five handles out of one block. Sure. And let's say the order's for 15. If three of those ends kind of line up, but the live edge wood, this part of it, it doesn't, I think it's going to look fine. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's a very good point because the the live edge on the wood side of it is going to be massively Unique. different each. Okay, all right. Unique. And even if you just do it slightly in a different orientation, it, that I feel like would be enough to fool the eye to make it look like it's not you know exactly. the same thing over and over again. Dang, so. dude, that is such a cool process. I I can't even imagine anybody else is doing something like that. I love how you. I haven't seen. That is. I haven't seen anyone do the live edge stuff, and I haven't seen anyone do the stack handles. Yes, those are the two things that I feel like. I mean, first of all, your stuff is going to be well known just because it's so high quality. It's such cool materials put together in such a unique way. But these kind. are the things that are going to be the head turners that are going to you know really pull people in. I know they're on my bucket list for damn sure. You are too kind. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just speaking the truth. <laughs> well, you know, I get it. I've helped. I'll, I so I used to think that my I, I've developed some methods that I use to kind of bang things out and keep things reproducible, so it's faster, and it gives me more accuracy and precision. Um, and I used to think they were kind of like hush hush, my own IP. Um, and you know, I listen listening to Brian House and talking to him a lot because he and I. We met, we met when I started building his, his grinder, Revolution Gen 2, and we've done some knife collaborations since, and we just, we talk about problems. Like, we talk, back to some of my main motivations for any of this, I'm a problem solver and a maker. Uh, I'm Great not a production guy. I don't, Great combination. You know, I, I don't, I enjoy doing 20 handles of a production run. They're all a little different. I mean, there's a little, they're unique, but um, I'm a problem solver. I really, really try to think about, I'm not, yeah, so I want to learn new things, and that's why I went from handles to making blades as well, so I could educate myself, to adding the S-grind, to figuring out how to use the tilt table and the revolution to do that S-grind. You know. I was just going to do that segue of, speaking of trying to keep things repeatable and quick, how is that true tilt holding up? 
I honestly haven't had time to use it again. Really? So I did four. I did four blades with it, um, and I, it's great. I plan on doing it. I plan on using it every time, but I've had a bunch of handwork that has to get done. All right. See, um, that is so, that is something that I feel like you are doing that I would not be able to do because as soon as I get a new toy in, I've got to play with that thing and figure it out. You know, like when I got the surface grinder from um, Ron Hips, the literally the first thing i did is i took all of the scrap pieces or even some metal that i haven't used yet and i just threw that thing on there just to try to tune it in figure it out you know i i Definitely. stopped i i had i mean i've had a batch i was working on that didn't need surface grinding and i <laughs> i was did. you know low enough where i had to play with this new surface grinder because hey you know it's the new tool i had to i had to figure oh. this thing out no, no 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 i'm with you trust me i mean i so i i, I mean i paid four i did s grinds on four blades with it um and that that was definitely huge value to me i think i talked to brian about some of the install instructions because he was trying he was oh i don't want to i don't want to go into what it, i think he's in a great place with it and I, I completely agree with everything he's doing um hopefully i was able to help him by more than just making the video hopefully some of our conversations help too but uh it's a great tool i plan on using it again in my next s grinds i know i think the next knife i have to grind is a dama steel two it's a 220 or two it's a 24270 slicer like a thin suji wow. um, basically I have a local buddy of mine who's a knife maker who makes beautiful damascus carbon steel damascus uh and he knows that i like stainless better than better than carbon i like you know high carbon stainless steel is better than working on carbon steels um just as as a busy home cook i and then my wife tells me that she doesn't like the patinas look on, on carbon blades so stainless is definitely my preference. I'll, I'll work on carbon. Somebody wants it, no problem. Um, but he said, look at Damas Steel. They've got these cutoffs. You can buy Damas Steel cutoffs relatively cheap. Yeah, okay. For Damas Steel, that is. So I right, ordered a kilo. Damas Steel, I mean, relatively cheap is still, you know, pretty damn pricey. Well, I think I ordered a kilo for $400. All right, all right. Um, and so what came were a bunch of offcuts. And there was one... That was one piece that was sized right to make this 240 slicer. Okay. And so what I'll do is I, that's my one of my next plans. It's heat treated already. And the next plan, one of the next blades out the door will be, I'll do that, then I'll probably do a waffle. Okay. I also have some differentially hardened 1095 knives that I have to get handles on and get those on waffles. Gotcha. Gotcha. So these are those are coming near future. I also have... I think I have one client I owe some metal spacer handles. And with the metal spacer handles, what I found is that when I grind them, you know, the heat is, I'm sure you've learned, you know, steel heats up. And so you can't just hog off material on those metal spacer right. handles. You need to, I like to have four or five at once. And that way, while I'm grinding one, the other four are cooling off. Cool. And that way, you know, I, I'm, I'm going all the time moving forward, not waiting on, Know, kind of that process yeah that makes sense i mean that that's one of the things that i've always struggled with because you know whether it be you know trying to do steel liners in a handle material and having that thing warm up and and kill the the epoxy and yeah. pull it apart or i've had people ask specifically for that those production knives but they want something added onto it or the grind or the blade shape slightly different you know the the ability to keep the heat treat 
and still change the shape drastically that's been a worry for me and i've been turning those down just because you know first of all if the idea of those production knives is you know they they kind of they're supposed to be relatively quick i'm just you know touching up the edges grinding them the rest of the way down and adding a handle and that's why they're drastically price dropped so to right. add big changes i'd have to charge for that and basically i said you know by the time we add these changes and you want your upgraded handle you know you could get a high carbon steel one for, with g10 handles and be roughly you know relatively close on the same price and you can get it whatever shape you want so you know right. the, the the ability there to be able to like what you're saying, keep it cool and you know make that happen is, I mean that's 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 a gamble on my, in my end, but it seems like you're doing a really good job at it. So I would, for, well, so with, I'm not talking about so the spaces I'm talking about are, for instance, copper, brass, right, nickel, right, right. silver. Sorry, I, so I changed the subject not, a little bit. No, on that one, you're but. you're not going to have an issue of you're, well, you're not going to have an issue of of blowing heat treatment. You will loosen some epoxy between right. some internal tenons to hold things together that epoxy if, if you don't go hog wild the epoxy can reharden as it as it cools off right and then um i've definitely had a super glue super glue things back on hit it with super glue hit a little spacer you get it lined just right it looks beautiful and you go back to grinding within minutes um, i've done that i have done i think it was i tried to put a brass liner on something and I glued it up, and it looked nice and pretty. And I, I had shaped it as close to final shape as possible. And I glued the thing together, and I, I touched it to the grinder for maybe two seconds, and both sides just fell right apart. I was like, well, this was dumb. <laughs> Did you have anything, any kind of internal pin, any no, pins or hidden I, pins? I was just screwed. Or I didn't know a damn thing about it. This was probably a year ago, year and a half ago, maybe even two years ago. And I, I haven't gone back to it. Yeah, fair enough. There's, yeah, I think I think the, there's always another there's always another way. It's one thing that keeps me going. Yeah. So you're saying with those ones, you're saying that there's an internal structure. Is that just drilling a bunch of holes in there, or what? What's the process for that? That you for use? my so for my metal spacer for most of my handles, I use a slotted dowel inside what you're seeing. Oh, that makes okay. sense. And so. I'll drill, you imagine a half inch, most of the things, depending on what they are, you know, it varies depending on layout, but 90% of them are probably a half inch hole, about three inches down that bottom handle piece, a half inch hole through all the all my little stack spacers, and a half inch hole that goes up through the ferrule to the top. You know, maybe it goes up shy of three or four millimeters. It, it's, it's not a, a set amount, it's something I do on the fly every time. Uh, and then I, even before I do that though, for the handles that the handles that are the same wood ferrule and handle, I'll drill a very small hole all the way down. And that way I have my centered alignment point when I do my drill my larger holes. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Yes. That. That's, um, and then I mean, it's one of those things that it's like, you know, how that's so obvious. Of course, that's going to work. You know, it's almost like a duh. How didn't I think of this before? You know. Right. Well, like I said, I, I you know I, I used to I used to not tell anyone how I did anything, and then right. I learned that you know what, tell everybody because my clients aren't coming to me just because I'm the only one that makes these handles. They're coming to me for the experience, for the interaction, for my reputation, or because they like what I've done. Um, I forget so, where I heard it, but you know, 
it's the whole idea of you can give a hundred percent away because only like point zero 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 one percent of people that see it are willing to put in the work that you put in to you know get to the level of actually being able to do it well. So it's not like you're really creating a monster that's going to replace you in the future. You know, you're 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 garnering, you're helping people that need the help, of course. But you're also you know bringing in the you know oh. Some people just have that interest of how is the sausage made and showing that right. little bit behind the scenes, get people even more interested in your work. And, you know, maybe it'll it'll change somebody from, a, yeah, maybe I want one to I absolutely want one of those. Right. I know I know you and Brian are both the of the mindset of, you know, people are buying from me for me, not necessarily. Then they, and you guys are much more out there than I am on social media. I, you know, my, my Instagram feed is just a, a gallery of my finished work and my stories is my stories. I use much more of a temporary, here's the path I'm taking along the way. And I show a little more in stories. Um, and I could probably do a little bit more, uh, brand building within the store, within my Instagram profile or other social media profiles, but I'm pretty one private. Of the things, one of the things that you do really well is when you're on live streams, you're you know, I, I love the fact that you do live streams on a semi-regular basis and you're you're willing to basically show everybody what you're doing. And and most times it's it's you, you know, epoxying in a, a knife into a handle because that is kind of a natural spot where you can kind of talk to people and not be super rushed or focused on things. Right. Yeah. So I've I learned from you, actually, live streams in the workshop. You're the cre- <laughs> oh, you get credit for now. inspiring. No, it's it's serious. You started doing it and you know, it's nice having, especially when someone like you or Neil or, you know, someone else jumps in and talks to you the whole time. Yeah. Cause the workshop is, you know, I used to work in R and D, you know, I used to work with teams and I really feel like projects are better when problems are solved in a much more elegant, creative manner. When people put their heads together and I say something that inspires you and you say something then then turn inspires me and maybe you didn't, even better, sometimes you didn't mean what, what the other person heard, but they built on it. And after two or three rounds, you end up with something that's totally different that no one would have come up with alone. And the product is like mind blowing. Yeah, it's or elegant it's, or when everyone works together, we all rise the tide that brings up all ships and you know, definitely. all that inspirational stuff. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I tried to wax poetic there and I just couldn't do it. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just trying to keep the conversation going. I'm not the most, uh, I'm not the most poetic whack. I, you know, I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I had a group, I had a couple of people here in my workshop. Um, I don't tend to let people in the workshop because it's a private home and I don't have insurance for it, etc. Yeah. But I had a local outfit wanted to interview myself and someone who I'm collaborating with on some of these Honiaki blades, the differentially hardened 1095s. And Scott, who is an amazing local sharpener, knife sharpener, Japanese knife enthusiast, I met him on forums too. He happens to live the, the one city over. Um, and he was so excited to come over and try hardening some steel himself. Um, okay. And then we happened, we were also at the same time talking to um, somebody from a local ad agency who just wanted to interview us. He thought their clients would like to hear to hear about us. And so we had him here. And we're talking along, and I'm the much more the guy like, here's my knife, here's what I made. It's, you know, and I do much better with people who understand the nuances, who understand I'm not the gift of gab and the salesman type. And Scott 
was a far more eloquent um, speaker, far far better, far higher skill set on engaging somebody and educating them on some of these nuances, on mm. you know the the history, the nuances, and what I'm, I'm not the salesman type. Scott was a far better educator in that respect. I've always done much better with people one on one when I can you know try to explain something, and if they don't get it, I can ask them questions and figure out how to explain something to them. Mm. And then I can ed- educate people that way. Um, it's just, it's an interesting style. And I know that the, um, uh, I know that certain uh, boisterous attitudes come off far better on social media. Sure. One of the other reasons I don't have it, one of the other reasons I don't have a YouTube channel. <laughs> no. I get so. you, I get you. You know, that's definitely not for everybody. And, and it seems like you've struck this perfect balance between you know, your, your home life and your, you know, your professional working downstairs, it it seems like you've hit this perfect groove that you can output these beautiful, beautiful pieces of, you know, I want to say you you make beautiful pieces of um, knife handle art. And it's really cool to see what's coming out of your shop. Uh, Before we go ahead and wrap this thing up, is there anything else that you want to shout out? Maybe talk about what you're working. Is there anything that's coming up in the future that you want to talk about or anything along those lines? I'm just trying to chip. I've got about a year. I've been quoting people six months to a year wait list right now. So I'm really trying to chip away at that and not let people wait as long because that's when people start to ghost you. I don't do deposits. I don't do deposits because I don't want to deal with being on someone else's schedule and having somebody say, you hold it. Well, sorry. You know, no, you, I didn't take a deposit, so I didn't have to feel beholden to somebody. But I keep a running list, and it's about 30 or so people long. Um, so right now I'm doing a series of wooden spacer handles. I showed some of the, and whenever I do client work, I also try to do something else that I can show on in Instagram stories, for example. And frequently those, those handles get snapped up by people. Sometimes they don't, sometimes they do. They sit on my shelf, and then somebody else comes back later. Um, and says they want something. Uh, so it's oh, useful to have some inventory on the shelf as well. Uh, nice so, sure. so batch of handles is going on right now. I have a batch of metal spacer handles to do next. I have some paring knives or petty knives that I, I've got. A, they're heat treated. I've got to grind them and get handles on them. I know a couple of local chefs have asked about them. I know I want one for myself. I gave my own one to my grandmother about eight months ago and haven't gotten, gotten a chance to make it again. Uh, 240 slicer. I've got some other knife blanks that I'd love to grind if somebody wants them. But I'm trying to balance that the, the blade making, the handle making, um, and still have fun. Yeah. That fun, I feel like, is, is just so cool to be able to see what you can do while you're you're doing it at, at the rate that you're doing it, because I just love... But before... I mean, I, was, I said we're going to go ahead and shut this thing down, but I just did a... Um, uh, I did my first showing and selling at a art festival, and the very first knife that got sold was a handle material that came out of your shop. You sent oh. me, you sent me this piece of um, what a, it was three D printed black, like this swirl, and then you was put it, epoxy in there. So I actually, George probably cast it. Okay, all right. Um, but so, it's from so you did the three D printing, and I'm I sure did you 3D came printing. up with the idea. I did. I have fit where I saw it. I think, I, so I watch, I watch a couple of Facebook groups for inspiration. Okay. Um, and just like the pinstripe, the, my pinstripe handles, uh, they, they also came from a, a Facebook group 
a pen turning Facebook group where I saw somebody doing some similar pens. And I said, well, if I just, I can 3D, I can draw this out in, in, in CAD, 3D print it, cast it, and then, you know, it should look pretty cool. Um, and I was really happy with the way those turned out. The other thing I've done, I did it once, was I CNC'd a pattern into some wood and I cast that. And then I put that on a little cleaver. Uh, it was like little giraffe, it was like bluish giraffe spots in some spalted maple. And it looked really cool. There's one cleaver. No one's asked for it since, but um, it's just another one of these ideas that may or may not happen again. Uh, so this, a similar thing, I, I said, George, what do you think of this? I got all excited. We tried doing a whole line of these scales and blocks and handles. And um, it, they look really cool when they're done. But I think with a lot of these interesting ideas, you need to put, I, what I should have done and what would guarantee more success is you need to make them, make them look nice and put them out there. And that's when people start talking about them. Uh, people don't get excited. People can't see past the second step. And so they can't really see what the potential until it's done. I am absolutely kicking myself on this piece of, uh, it was a cleaver that I went ahead and put this, this handle material out of, out of, from you on. And I finished it the day before and then packed it up and took it to the thing. And like within like an hour, it was sold. And Good I never actually took a picture of the dumb thing. Oh. <laughs> it was so pretty and I love the way that it looked. And I didn't, I didn't even think to take a picture until the person walked away. And I was like, oh, well, uh, I think that might be their... one of the only knives that I, I didn't take a picture at the very end. Do you have their contact info? Because you can always, I've definitely reached out to people and been like, if you want to send me you know, any, any in-product uses, I'd be happy to post it. I sent people. them with a card and they paid in cash. I do not have anything. Okay. <laughs> well, that's oh, okay. I was just kicking cash myself because that handle material was so cool. That thing was just absolutely gorgeous. I love, it I'm was, sure it we was can make incredibly easy to you... work with. I was surprised that that 3D printed material came out so nice. And yes, I did have to do a lot of hand sanding on it to, you know, the the epoxy, you know, wore away at a different rate than the than the um, right plastic I think, I think or PLA also, or whatever it was. It's PL. It's PLA. It's a type of plastic. I think part of what happens is they also heat up on the grinder and expand and contract at yes. rates. And so that's probably what part of what you're seeing. Um, well. What I found is I ground it up through 600 grit and then I buffed it on what the Scotch Bright belts, the ultra fine Scotch Bright belts, and it did. When I was done with it, the the epoxy looked decent, decent, and the PLA had expanded. But I went back with uh, 200 and 400 grit um, sandpaper, and basically just hand sanded those those top ridges down with a with a hard backing. And it yeah. brought it all to the same. And then I was able to just polish it up really quick because, you know, it was good. And it turned out really beautiful, really shiny, really cool look it. to it. And yeah, I'm, I'm kicking myself. I didn't take a picture of it. <laughs> I do find a coat of true oil on that resin really helps it pop. I just threw on some Axe Wax. You know, it probably does exactly the same thing. Yeah. Um, I like true oil because it's a curative finish. It will never... It, the the amount of time it takes to wash off or wear off is much longer than the waxes. I think one of the things that made that knife sell so quick was the way that my tent was set up. There was just a little like side ray of light, and I ended up positioning the handle to sit right in that ray of light, so it just sparkled like diamonds oh. or something. <laughs> Again, oh, yeah. I I should have took a picture of it sitting on the table, but I didn't think about it. 
<laughs> well, remind me. I'll make you more if you want. Sweet, sweet. Well, Ben, I really appreciate you joining on this interview podcast at the Work For It podcast. Yeah, go ahead and do a quick shout out of, you know, where can people find you? My name's Ben Siegel. You can find me Ben's Bites on Instagram, Facebook. Um, my Facebook's far less active. It's really Instagram's the, the easiest place, but I will respond to Facebook as well. Um, I, you can find some people find me at Japanese knife forums. Um, love to chat with anyone who wants to talk. Thank you very much. Thank you for the opportunity, Brian. Yeah, man. It was a great conversation. I very much appreciate you jumping on, Ben. All right, guys. I hope you guys all have a fantastic rest of your week. I'm Brian Cohn talking with Ben Seagal. Work for a baby. (laughs) This is weird. I've never done this outro before. (laughs) See you guys.